Fake the punt. And down the sideline. It's caught for a touchdown. Grabbed by Evan Ingram. To the block at the right tackle. To the near side. On pickoff. He is gone. Chris McKinney. Goodbye. Pick six for the Giants. Jacobs in. Third and one. Oh, wrapped up. Dexter Lawrence. Got him. And devoured him. Oh, he's got Zay Jones intercepted at the 50. It's picked off for a second time by McKinney. Jacobs releases. Ball from behind, knocked away. It was a big hit by Roche, the rookie. It's loose and a fumble, and the Giants have recovered. Quincy Roche made that play happen. It was a great win. We needed it. We got it. After beginning 0-3, the Giants have gone 3-3 three and three since. Oh, we come back from my week. Uh, let's just do it again. One, two, three. Rush, a victory edition of the podcast, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Those sounds you just heard in the opening montage, courtesy of the CBS broadcast with Kevin Harlan. His broadcast mate, Trent Green, the legendary quarterback, is going to join us later in the show. You also heard Xavier McKinney, the hero of the day, and Devontae Booker, the other hero of the day for the Giants in a victory. Let's welcome in your host of the Blue Rush Podcast, that would be two-time Super Bowl champion kicker for the Giants, Lawrence Tynes, and his co-host, longtime beat writer for the Giants of the New York Post, Paul Schwartz. Lawrence, the X-Man, Devontae Booker, the whole gang on the day the New York Marathon was run, Devontae Booker was running a marathon on the field, and the Giants, as I called it on last show, beat the Raiders for a big victory to improve to 3-6 and six as they go into the bye week. You called it, Jake. You were the most optimistic one of the bunch. But 100 yards passing, and we win the football game. Devontae Booker was outstanding. You know, that was a gut-check time game for them. The, uh, the Raiders are a good football team. So they came in, you know, 5-2. and two. I, I respect this win. I, I really do. I know it was ugly, but going into a bye, you get some healthy players back after the bye. This was bigger than just one game for the Giants. I mean, yeah, no, there's no question, Lawrence. Um, you you know, you've been around. You know what it's like going into a bye. Sometimes teams can get distracted. You know, they, they have their plans to go away and things like that. And and this is a 15-day pick-me-up. I don't think I, I can discredit wins sometimes, and it was ugly. But you need to win a game. Talk to the Buffalo Bills about needing to win a game and, and coming up empty and, you know, scoring six points. So, right, this this was an offensive strange the word I would use Lawrence is strange if I would have told you before the game Kenny Galladay's gonna have two catches for you know minimum Tony one catch for nine yards Slayton no catches the wide receivers are gonna catch three passes in this game Daniel Jones is gonna throw for 110 yards and he's gonna lose a fumble what would you have said to me? Well, they would have lost. They would have gotten killed, absolutely, probably. Absolutely yeah. gotten killed. Yeah. Because that Raiders offense is nothing to sneeze at. The Giants gave up a lot of yards yesterday, but ultimately it's about points. And, and in the red zone, they really shut them down, especially with a guy like Waller and Renfro. I mean, those are two very skilled players. They shut them down to some extent in the red zone, which was ultimately what won the game. because One for six in the red zone. One for six. You can't win. Obviously, Carlson had the short miss. Nine kudos, points. Nine kudos. Points yeah, kudos yeah. to them. Of course, the offense, our offense only scored 16 points. The pick six by Xavier McKinney. I think they kind of went at this game. Maybe some guys weren't as healthy as we thought. Maybe Tony is still a little banged up. Maybe Galladay is too, but they said, hey, you know what? Right before the bye, go out there, give us some, you know, maybe some route running, some obviously some decoy type stuff, and let's see if we can win the game with the backs and the tight ends. And to their credit, you don't apologize for winning in the NFL. They did. 
and they won the game, so they get to go in. Two weeks from now, I expect to see the whole arsenal back on the field. Yeah, now now you said only 16 points for the offense. Now, last week in Kansas City, they scored 17 points and lost, right? And we said you can't score 17 points in an NFL game and expect to win. This time, the offense only scored 16. But what I liked about this offensive performance, they identified a weakness in the Raiders. They were 28th in the league in run defense. Too often, this Giants team, you identify a weakness in the other team, but they can't do anything about that weakness, right? So they looked at it. They said, we got to run the ball. We're having three tight ends. Hey, when Caden Smith, your guy, went down and left the game in the concussion protocol, they brought Corey Cunningham in, the offensive lineman. He got 13 snaps as, as an extra tight end. They were going to both jumbo. They were going to run the ball. Okay, can they run the ball without Saquon Barkley? What I saw from Devontae Booker in this game tells me this. When Saquon Barkley comes back after the bye, Devontae Booker needs to be on the field. He doesn't need to start. He doesn't need to have the bulk of the carries, but this cannot be an 80-20 split. Do you agree? Booker needs to – He needs to touch the ball. At least until Saquon Barkley proves he's Saquon Barkley again, you got to kind of share this thing and kind of use what they both can do. I agree. And listen, people gave Dave Gettleman and this staff a little bit of a – you know, look, whoa, what the hell are you doing when they signed this guy? I did that too because they, they he was the first guy they jumped at in free agency. Yeah, yeah. five and a half million, which if you think about right now, you know, Brightwell's not ready yet. Pretty good deal. Pretty good deal for what he's done, carrying the ball, catching the ball in the backfield. Yes, he needs carries. This could be a little bit like a Pollard-Ezekiel Elliott type combo. Not so flashy, but you need two runners anymore. You know that, Paul. You got to have two running backs in this league. And Booker has proven it. I love his post game. He he's he seems like a just a nice like chill, chill man. Chill. He, he likes chill. he likes the left handed stuff, but maybe not. I don't know. He he looks a uh, super. Yeah, that's the first thing that I thought. I'm not gonna say, but um, they do. Drug Please him. explain what what, what, what <laughs> the left. No, he just he had his mask on. He's just like yeah, I just like to go out there and have fun, you know. And I'm just like. <laughs> And he's so chill, but he's a you know, he's a big guy, big back. And uh you, you know when when I you know early in training camp, you know, they sign a new guy, I don't know him, Devontae Booker, so I get him off on the side and I'm talking to him alone. You know, he's a running back, Lawrence. You know running backs, right? They always got some attitude and some swagger and give me the ball. And I'm I'm trying one on one. I'm trying hard with Booker. Give me some stuff. Tell me you want the ball. Tell me, you know, you're gonna help Saquon, but you're not gonna <clears throat> Just be his backup and things like that, and he's given me nothing. Oh man, whatever, whatever, whatever they want me to do, whatever they. I'm like, come on, man, you're a running back. He's like, I didn't get anything from him, and then then he has a big game, and still, you know, it was funny because he said he was talking about, well, you know, my first hundred yard game, and somebody said you didn't get a hundred, you know, you had a hundred and two, but then you lost three yards. It was ninety nine, and he's like. Yeah, right, 99. You know, he's like, okay, whatever. Yeah, he didn't care. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think he cared a little bit, but it's like that's – he's. I think what he's doing, Paul, is going to push Saquon Barkley. And, and I'm telling you, because I don't care who you are as a player, what your status is on the team. I felt it once when we had a kicker come in for preseason and he kicked really well. And even though you know in the back of your mind it is your job, I'm telling you, this guy has been durable, right? Which is the most important thing that Saquon has not been. He, he's been productive. In the last two weeks, he's found a groove. He's getting a lot of touches. I think Saquon will be better for it, I hope, if he's healthy. If not, Saquon sees that for two years, $5.5 million, you can get a productive player. And he's going to sit there and think, I'm asking for 10 a year? No chance, 26. you got to come back and prove you can play and produce and be healthy. But I think it's a good find, good signing by Gettleman. He catches a lot of heat. We got to call out the good ones. This is a good one. 
Now, before we get to the star of the show, Xavier McKinney, Daniel Jones's net passing yards was 96. When was the last time the Giants won a game with fewer passing yards? You were on the field. You were probably going to. Okay. I, you, I know this. You, I already you, know. I already you know. Were, you were huddled up in a Snuggie and you were cold and you were, you were, your nose yeah. was running. When okay. was it? I'm yep. going to think, I'm going to say, was it in London? No. It was in. It was in so not London, not London. But it was your. What is the Col- opposite city in the world of London? Uh, Arizona, Buffalo, New York. <laughs> They're Buffalo. like the same thing. That's no, like, I mean it's... London is cool and Buffalo is not. You oh, know, um, okay, that you way. Know, I thing. thought you were talking about wow. shots fired. No, two, fan, no Bills fans here. Two days before Christmas, two thousand seven. You remember that? that yeah, what an epic game. We didn't right? have a hundred yards throwing. I know Ahmad went off, and Brandon. I mean, Ramad had that run with his decal coming off his helmet. It was yeah, he had his coming out party with an eighty-eight yard run. Yeah, I think um, Eli had like ninety-four passing yards. He threw two interceptions. I it had was, a really big forty-two yard field goal in that game. Into the tough end. Yes. Now, now was that because early in the game it was okay. But during game. the snow, it was the snow. It was, yeah, it was the snow, and then there was sun, and then there was. That was the first time ever. We're digressing. That was the first time ever I saw the lake effect literally. The lake right there. lake effect literally coming through my you know through the window. It was nice. Then it was windy. Then it was rainy. Then it was snowing. It was like four seasons in one. It we had to big. have that game too. It was a big game. Yep, that was a big game. That was the last time. So this does not happen very often. Okay. The Giants have been waiting for a young defensive player, right? They, they have the Lorenzo Carters, the O'Shane Zimenezes, the Dexter Lawrences, the guys you're waiting for, right? The second or third round picks to become a star. Did we see Xavier McKinney start to become a star in this game? To answer your question, yes. He's been showing this kind of trend upwards for the last five, six games. He is... Uh, you know, listen, like I said, when we talked about when Peppers went out, we all miss him. We miss his leadership. We miss the player, the energy. But Xavier McKinney is ultimately a better football player. And he's proven that he can cover ground. He can get to balls in the, in, in the secondary and coverage. He is an ascending player. What a great find in the second round. You know, if you go and look at the tackle sheet from the game, I call it a tackle sheet. Some people may call it a stat sheet. You know, Crowder, McKinney, Lawrence, Holmes. I mean, a lot. Roche. Like, these guys, it's a young team. A lot of guys, Crowder's getting a ton of minutes with Blake's injury. You know, he struggles in the run game, but he's really good in coverage. He looks, you know, he's not as big and bulkier as seasoned as Blake, but Man, they're playing nice. They're playing very nicely on defense. I'm I'm impressed. They're kind of hitting that their stride a little bit, and hopefully they can keep it up. They're going to have to until this offense can catch up. Yeah, and, and look, they give up a lot of yards. You know, we see with this this you know this is what Patrick Graham did last year. They give up a lot of yards. They bend, but they don't break. A lot of people don't like that. You know what I like about McKinney? Look, McKinney played at Alabama, right? They lost once every six weeks or so. You know, he's used to winning. He was a high draft pick. Uh, you know, the pick six was great. He just read Derek Carr's eyes jumped in front, pick six. You know, without that, that was the first points on defense all season from the Giants. If they don't get it, they don't win. The second one, I love what he said because James Bradbury said, I guess it was Zay Jones, right? Put a double move on me. He said, I was done. I was beaten. And he said, Zay, that's what they call Xavier McKinney. Zay saved my life. (laughs) He didn't say, he didn't say that he saved me on that play. He said, he saved my life. And listen to this confidence from Xavier McKinney. He said, on the second one, I just trusted my instincts. I actually told Brad, meaning James Bradbury, earlier in the game, they did the same thing. I broke in it. They actually threw a back shoulder. And I told him that. I told him, if they do that again, I'm going to beat it and I'm going to pick it. I mean, that's what they need on this. Alabama. Team. I mean, he's an alpha male. I mean, that's what 
these Alabama for you don't go to think about when you sign at Alabama, you know, you are going to go there and compete against three to four other guys at your position that were considered the best in the country. And he didn't blink. That's why Alabama's Alabama. I mean, you love his competitive fire. His He's going to be a very good player. I think he's a Pro Bowl player. I mean, we'll see what the last eight games bring. But, man, he covers a lot of ground back there. Great player. He might not need practice either because Joe Judge said this to <laughs> right. him when he yes. didn't practice thanks to a crazy week of false positives. Here's what Joe Judge said after the game. Things that he had to go through with the testing and to come through with the two interceptions. You talking about Zay? Well, he pulled his like best Ferris Bueller this week and didn't have to show up for work and went out and had you know career type game. But you know he uh, he did a good job staying prepared. You know was in all the Zoom meetings on stuff. You could see. I mean, look, not speaking for Zay, but you can see the frustration level throughout the week. If he's in a Zoom meeting, teams on the field practice, and he's not able to be active and involved, you know, you're kind of one foot in in terms of am I going to be able to play? Obviously, when he got cleared. That was, you know, big for us as a team. And this guy went out there. He had a good day preparing on Friday. There's a lot of things he had to get in. You know, that was really the first day him moving around since the Kansas City game. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, practice. Maybe the Giants got to cut practices and they start Well, winning. listen, they're so used to running sprints with Joe Judge. Maybe he's going to go back and say, er, slow down here. We probably should just do walkthroughs and practice on Fridays. Well, first of all, I don't think Xavier McKinney at age, what, 22 or something, I'd be shocked if he knows who Ferris Bueller is, if you've seen the movie, if he understood he the reference. But look, the head coach gets the rap when they lose. We need to give Joe Judge and his staff a lot of credit. This was a funky week. I mean, Fluid, I, fluid I, week, I, yes. I showed up at, at the Giants you know, facility, and I go in the parking lot, and the owner and the GM are waiting in line to get COVID tested. I said, something's wrong here. You know, There was mayhem. You didn't know who was in, who was out. Joe Judge is doing press conferences from the parking lot of the media you know, media headquarters there, the media area. You know, Xavier McKinney did not know. I mean, these guys did not know. Luckily, you know, it didn't cost them much. It cost them Brightwell, the rookie running back, and the running back's coach. Burton Burns were the only guys who could not participate in the game because of COVID. Joe Judge does not blink. And and I know fans get very frustrated after these games when they lose, and Joe Judge gets up there and says, process, and we didn't do this. You know, and he he's stoic. Now, after that game, that's a big win going into the bye, and I watched him as soon as he came to that podium. He was the exact same. If you didn't know he won, you wouldn't know the Giants won the game. So that's Joe Judge after these games. So, you know, if you hate it. They did a good job. They did a really good job. This whole coaching staff, listen, everyone's going to bang on Garrett a little bit. I mean, but we obviously don't know what he's working with at practice. You guys get the first 20 minutes. You don't get the the meat and potatoes at the practice. I mean, he could have seriously just had a tight end slash running back opportunity this week with the guys. And then, of course, you don't know who's available. So you got to give a lot of credit for, for a week like this and to come out and win a game almost that you had to win. I mean, you know, two and six is bad, but two and seven is really bad. Three and six looks different. Yeah, you just mentioned the tight end. I mean, Evan Ingram. What a catch. You know, seven nothing. What a that, catch. We, right, everyone's been waiting for that. Just throw the damn ball down the field to him. They said they knew that. They knew that defense would give him that look with that what safety, Abram. It was a outrageously good throw. I mean, it was Evan, the one time I've seen Daniel Jones throw somebody open. You hear good quarterbacks say that all the time. You know, we'll get into it our next show next week. But, like, there's this offense still, to me, nothing's on time. And I think a lot of that has to do with the availability of players at practice. It just looks so rigid and funky. But that was a play. He drops back, one, two, three, four, throws an unbelievable pass, and give credit to Evan. That was a hell of a catch. He, and he, cheers. Cheers from the fans for at Midlife for Evan Ingram. Listen, yep. Cheers from it. Sarah McCrory. Who, Sarah, did you go out and buy, like, four new cats thanks to Evan Ingram's touchdown? I, I, <laughs> no, I, I missed it. I, my TV, like, froze, so I 
had to get out. I have like oh, a Roku right. TV. Yeah, so I had to get out of it. And then when I came back, it was seven nothing. And I was like, what the heck? Evan Ingram. You missed his one shining moment. Oh my <laughs> Ro- Roku was an Evan Ingram hater. That's all that's what we take from this. Roku doesn't one believe shining in moments. All, all I have to say is greatest play. I give Evan Ingram a lot of credit for um having the comments turned on his Instagram. I don't recommend looking at them, but he, he must have a tough skin or he, he just doesn't look at them. He has the comments on his Instagram, so you can turn comments off and people are not nice. Mm. In his comments. Well, Kadarius Tony has his comments off Twitter. And, I don't uh, even play, and people aren't nice. To me. I mean, so it's just the people are nice. Let's just call it what it is. No, but he They're gets a jerks. he gets a lot of hate. He gets a lot of hate. Yeah. Behind the keyboard, you never dude. know. Bye week. What, what are you guys doing in the bye week, Paul? You don't have as many articles to write. Are you taking a trip to Aruba? Are you taking uh, you taking the kids to the chicken parm spot? Where are you going? You know, bye week is is a misnomer. Okay, the Giants are practicing Tuesday and Wednesday, and I will be there. Then then they all have to be off Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's kind of like a bye weekend. I will um, go into the city a little bit and um, do some things. Yeah, I mean, look, a weekend off is a weekend off in the city. It's great, but it's not exactly this week. You know. Book a trip and go for a week it's like three days three days wow lawrence what will you be doing I, well i've got pretty bu- busy week guys i'm gonna head down to orlando florida on wednesday for a Ooh. folds of honor golf tournament big charity i support so fly down wednesday play golf thursday home thursday night so i'll be gone less than 36 hours and then i'm gonna take the boys to the west virginia k-state game this weekend college Ooh. football neil brown a close friend of mine is the head coach of west virginia so we're gonna do some sideline Hang out, Big 12 matchup, catch some football. I'm curious, have, have either of you guys run a marathon before? Because that was the big story of <laughs> no. Sunday. And I my marathon is going to the bodega, but I, I just do, – do you have like – have you do you have the interest to do it? Have you done it? I'll just emphatically say no, zero. I don't, I don't have the interest to drive 26 miles, okay? So, yeah. no, no. 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 Yeah, that's, that's not interesting. From a New York, that's, a, that's like a subculture. Or... Runners are like a subculture of this world. Like, no, twenty six years. That's why they invented the wheel. Well, Sarah, you're a big gym, you know, person. Yeah. TikTok your workouts. Are you aspiring to run a marathon? I am. I was supposed to run a half marathon this fall, but I've had like a pelvic injury from running. But yeah, I don't know. I want to run a marathon. Maybe next year. I don't know. Well, if the donuts are at the finish line, I'll be there to cheer you on at the end, and I'll make the trip. I saw a lot of people there, and I'm like, let me avoid the commotion, and I get exhausted just hearing the word marathon, but a guy who doesn't get exhausted by hearing marathon because he was a tremendous quarterback for the Chiefs and a tremendous analyst. He does it all. It's Lawrence Tynes' former teammate, Trent Green, is going to join Blue Rush next. Green moves up. He's looking for Parker. Caught for the touchdown. Beating Green, open, Henderson has it at the 20, takes off to the end zone, and the Chiefs are back in front. But Trent Green, quick with his read, and throws the football right on the money. Here comes Chuck Wara, Green steps up nicely in the pocket, wide open, Sammy Parker, he is in for the touchdown, the first of his career. Green double punt, wide open, is that? you just heard courtesy of cbs joining us now is an old chiefs teammate of our own lawrence tines he played 16 seasons in the nfl is one of the best qbs in the league he won a super bowl with the rams in 2000 made two pro bowls with the chiefs in 2003 and 2005 
threw for over 28,000 yards in his career and 162 touchdown passes. He is now a terrific analyst for the NFL on CBS. You heard him alongside the great Kevin Harlan for the Giants-Raiders game Sunday, as well as Monday Night Football on Westwood One Radio. He does it all, folks. Let's give a warm Blue Rush welcome to Indiana Hoosier alum and the pride of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Trent Green. <laughs> Trent, it's Jake Brown, uh, Lawrence Tynes, Paul Schwartz. Welcome to Blue Rush. How are you? Hey, what's going on, guys? That was that was awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's a crazy weekend in the NFL, that's for sure. Do you get free continental breakfast? Like, how does it work? You're, you're going from MetLife Stadium <laughs> to now you're going to, to what, Pittsburgh? Uh, you are a well-traveled man. I hope your Marriott rewards points are up the wazoo. <laughs> you know, it, some of the announcers are, are dialed into a certain loyalty program. I'm about convenience. Whatever, whatever gets me there the quickest, whatever is the most comfortable, whatever, you know, whatever works out the best. Yeah, I've accumulated a lot of different points at a number of different restaurants, airlines, car rentals, you name it. It's been a fun transition and it, it's all good. Trent, thanks for coming on. I appreciate your time. I know you're busy. I wanted to talk to you about, because last night I was watching Sunday Night Football and your name came up. Right. Kurt Warner, Trent Green. It seems like your name always comes up when they talk about him. Very, very special moment. What what is what does Kurt Warner mean to you and vice versa? The interesting thing, and, and LT, you know this because we've known each other a long time. The interesting thing about this, everybody wanted, you know, from day one, everybody wanted to make us like enemies. They wanted to say, you know, Kurt Warner took your job and that, you know, and it's the farthest thing from the truth. He and I have remained good friends. He's got a a great movie coming out around Christmas time that's going to tell his story called American Underdog that gives a little bit of the background on him and his wife and their relationship. And then, of course, him, you know, eventually becoming a, a starter in the league MVP and Super Bowl MVP and all those things. But uh, he and I have remained friends over the years. I have a great deal of respect for what he did and eventually got his opportunity. And, and it's different but similar path than what I did. Uh, I was the third to last pick in the draft. And LT, I know you've had your story. You went to different leagues. You bounced around to different teams. And then, you know, you won a couple of Super Bowls. So, you know, we've all got our stories and we've all got our journeys. And, and I've got a, uh, great deal of respect for how how Kurt stuck with it and when he got his chance he made the most of it and and it just so happened it was at the expense of uh, of my injury but uh but yeah I I'm I'm proud of him and and how he handled everything and and handled his moment you know I I felt the same way about getting my chance and and wanted to make the most of it and fortunately for me was able to come back from a pretty serious injury and and uh, put together a a long career and uh, and one that I'm proud of. This is a perfect time to get you. You did the giant game Sunday. You saw them win a game with the quarterback throwing for 110 yards and not scoring a lot of points. First of all, what did you take out of seeing Daniel Jones live and seeing this Jason Garrett offense up close? Well, what's your sense? I mean, you're a quarterback, former quarterback. You know this inside and out. I like Daniel Jones, and, and I like Jason Garrett, and I like uh, I like the offense they run. I just think it's really hard to evaluate with the number of injuries they've had and the number of changes they've had, I think said this during the broadcast, it's a completely different team with Saquon. And, and you, and it, you know, you look at statistically what the offense did and you look at statistically what Daniel Jones did when Saquon is, is healthy and in the games that first four games. And then you look at it since then, it's, it's just a much different team. And, and I think, and that's not to take anything away from Booker because Booker played phenomenal. He's played, he's played, He's had back-to-back games that he's he's played outstanding. Against the Chiefs, he had over, I think it was 125 yards, 124 total yards, uh, a combination. And then uh, 
And then against the Raiders, you know, he did the same thing. He actually had over 100 yards rushing, and then his last carry, he lost yardage, so that knocked him back to 99. But I think once they get their pieces, you know, they've been they've been devastated by injuries at the wide receiver position. Uh, there's really not a lot of continuity there. You know, there have been some inconsistencies uh, with the offensive line, and, and some of that is due to not having Saquon. I mean, so, you, you know, you're tying a lot into one guy, but I think that's really how, how that offense, you know, revolves around, and I think Daniel Jones feeds off of that, and I think the play-action pass feeds off of it, and I think it's just all, you know, it all ties together. So it's hard it's hard to give him an overall evaluation. Anytime, you know, you win a game, you, you it, it's a great thing. Wins are hard to come by, but it's really hard to come by when your offense only has 240 yards, and as you said, Daniel Jones only had 110. But their defense played outstanding and was opportunistic and did great in the red zone and found ways to take the, take the football away, and that's why it's a team game. And, uh, they made the plays when they needed to, but I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm not giving up hope on uh, on the Giants offensively and what Daniel Jones can potentially become. Now you said you like Daniel Jones. You know you're a quarterback. You have sons who are quarterbacks. What do you like specifically about him? Because you know a lot of Giants fans are very polarized with Daniel Jones. When he fumbles the ball, they don't like him. When he runs for you know 50, <laughs> 60 yards, they like him. You know, I mean, they, they don't. He right, doesn't right. win enough games. The Giants don't win enough games. When you look at him, he's a big, strong guy. He's a good guy. Take me into that a little more about a quarterback to quarterback. What do you see from him that makes can make Giants fans think, look, this is our guy? The first thing that jumps out is just all the intangibles. You talked about his size. You talked about his speed. He's committed to it, right? I mean, this is something that's important to him. He's not aloof. It's not like it's just like, oh, whatever, we'll, you know, we'll figure it out. It's like this means something to him, and, and that's what he wants to do. He wants to do football. He wants to study football. He wants to play football. So you have all the intangible parts of it as far as playing the position. I, I think I have an understanding as to why some people get a little frustrated with him. I think some of it is it's not like this big, loud personality, and it's not like he's always got a smile on his face. It's like he's, he's pretty serious most of the time, and you know, even when we're in production meetings with him, you know, we're trying to get him to loosen up a little bit. We're like, listen, we're not here to, you know, to, to, to grill you. We're just, we're just here to like talk about the game and kind of get a feel for the team and you and, and, uh, and he's just always really serious and dialed in. So I can, I can understand why that may appear to them just from an outward appearance, from a personality standpoint, but he is, he is very focused, very serious about, about what he wants to do. He wants to be a good player. Uh, and he has the physical tools and the mental tools to get it done. It's, there's lots of players throughout the course of uh, the history of this league that have, that have had pieces and, and not been able to put it together. I, I'm not I'm not buying into that. That Daniel Jones is is that kind of guy. I think I think it will come together for him. Yeah, Trent. So you're saying, you know, from watching Garrett's offense, that you think the staleness of this offense is more because of the personnel not being available versus Jason Garrett's system. Well, I love Jason's system because I, you know, I'm, I'm a Norv Turner guy and Norv was trickled down to Jason and Jason, I know has tweaked it over the years when, when you consider, uh, you know, he and Sean Payton and Sean has kind of gone a different direction with it and Jason is, is kind of evolved it in his, in his direction. So the basis and the base fundamentals of the offense, I love because it, I mean, I spent most of my career in it. How you go about executing it, how you go about calling it, I think, you know, there are different ways to do it. As I said just a little bit ago, I, I think from an injury standpoint and from a receiver standpoint, it's made it difficult. You know, I don't know if you guys noticed yesterday in the game, there were several times where, where Daniel Jones was at the line of scrimmage and he's like yelling at guys, hey, no, you need to get over that. I mean, they're still having because of personnel and groupings and injuries and rotating in and out, they're still having a hard time getting lined up. And, and, you know, you consider last week, right? They played on a Monday night. 
They had all the false positives. So they weren't allowed to meet in person. They went to enhanced protocols. They, they only had a walkthrough on Wednesday. They didn't practice until Thursday. And only certain guys could practice on Thursday because there were still all the false positives they're dealing with. And Friday is more of a walkthrough practice kind of tempo. And then, I mean, it's just, I, I know these are a lot of excuses, but I think, uh, I think there's a lot of merit to it as well in terms of, you know, it's, it's hard to be creative when you can't practice and when you can't get out on the field. LT, you remember those days with, uh, with Vermeil. And, Al, uh, Al Saunders, it was three-hour practices, and I yeah. hated life. I was like, the NFL sucks. <laughs> I'm going to quit. And I'm a kicker, but I had to stand around like a cow all day on a freaking field. My back hurt all the time. But Al Saunders had legendary Dick Vermeil. These things were insanity. You remember Will Shields was like, I'm done. I could have played 10 more years, but I played for Vermeil. You know, it's it- – and, and that's why we could do all the shifts and movements and all the stuff because we, we had to practice that stuff over and over and over again. And, and, uh, you know, that's the joke. It's funny you bring that up with Coach Vermeil and Al and, uh, Will Shields and Willie Rowe. You know, those guys are like, they would say, you know, there's NFL years and then there's Vermeil years, right? It's like, you gotta, kind of, <laughs> right. you gotta, you gotta count it like almost like dog years, right? I know you were with Softman for a long time and I know he had some long practices as well. So it's just a different mentality and a different era right now. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because, you know, that's kind of the big topic with the Giants with Joe Judge and are they practicing too hard? Are they running too many laps? And, you know, Xavier McKinney doesn't oh, practice this week and he gets two picks. Practice. You're thinking to yourself, this is nothing compared to Dick Vermeil days. I'm like, man, they don't practice at all. I'm like, you kidding me? How many times they put the practice? And, and I know I'm sounding like that old guy that, you know, because I remember we used to complain about two-a-days. You know, now they don't even have two-a-days. And, and, of course, the old Eagles guy. I know a bunch of Vermeil's old Eagles guys. And, and they're like, man, we used to have three-a-days. So I don't know what you guys are complaining about with two-a-days. So it's, it's like, you know, every, everybody's got their thing to lean on. I think what the league is doing from a player safety standpoint uh, has been great. I think that's why we're seeing guys play and do their – late 30s and some into their 40s. I think they're taking better care of their bodies. I think the the league has mandated in terms of practices and reps and off seasons and all that stuff. I think guys are going to play longer and longer and be able to stay healthier and, and be able to perform at a high level. I just think you lose some of the timing of things when you're not uh, when you're when you're not getting all that practice in. Now, so you didn't get you know to sit in a room with Joe Judge and 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 kind of get the vibe, but e- even off Zoom, what kind of vibe do you get from Joe Judge? You know, this was my first time uh, meeting with him and talking with him. Uh, I, I liked him. You know, you, just, you never really know what to expect, especially first time meeting someone. And then, as you said, it's over Zoom, so it's, it's a little bit different. And then you also have to, you know, understand what where he's coming from. You know, he's the Belichick tree and the way the New England has always done things. You know, so he's a little bit more serious and a little bit more um, only going to give you what he wants to give you type of thing. But I, I, I really, I did enjoy our conversations. And, and I thought... Uh, you know, he loosened up more and kind of realized that we weren't out to get him. We were just there to, to talk and, you know, learn as much as we could about his team and, and some of the protocols that they were going to have to go through. You know, we spent a lot of time talking about that in terms of, you know, how he handled the week, how they had to handle meetings virtually. They were able to get together for walkthroughs and practices because they were outside so they could do it. You know, he was very open about, you know, going back to some of last year's scheduling because the schedule was quite a bit different last year and, and with enhanced protocols they had to go back to that so he was open with a lot of that and he just his conversations about the players you know he was he was forthcoming but I came away from it uh, really impressed with him and, and how he handled it all and, and approached everything I want to tell a quick story before we let Trent get back to work Trent is associated with my field goal in Green Bay Trent was in Green Bay as a what NFL network analyst 
Yes, I was still playing at the time, and that's uh, I was working down the path of trying to get involved in in TV. Knew that was something I wanted to do. Uh, once I got what a done horrible with, uh, assignment. What a horrible assignment. <laughs> were you, were hey, you on the Trent, Were you on the field? Hey, were you on? Yes. The, were you outside on the yes. field? I was on the field during pregame oh, warmup, and we were supposed to be down there for an hour because I had to do a couple hits for NFL Network during pregame, and and I was down there maybe about twenty twenty five minutes, and I was like, hell no! I'm like, no! I'm like, the, I'm like, the field is frozen. I'm like, this is like insane. My face, I can't feel my face. I'm like, this is nuts. And I wasn't prepared to be outside because I was told I was going to sit in the press box. So I was like, oh, you know what? I'll have an overcoat, gloves, hat. You know, I'll be fine. Man, when it's that cold, it's like your skin freezes in like seconds. And so I went to the booth to watch the game. But then afterwards, you know, we got to go down on the field. They wanted us to go down and, and interview players and, and be a part of it. And that's where that's where LT and I crossed. I like gave a big hug in the locker room and was so excited for him and pumped up for him. Yeah, let me uh, brag and, on you real quick. Let me brag on you real quick because okay. this is something that's just one of the most special things I have from just my pro football career was, you know, seeing you, obviously we knew each other and – that was a special moment, but but Trent, you know, weeks, maybe even years later, you brought over the official game book from the press box to me to have the PDF game book from Lambeau Field. Trent gave that to me, thought enough of me to keep that and hold it. And obviously we, we were trying to get it to each other, but I appreciate you for that. That means a lot to me. That's one of the one of the coolest gifts I have, actually, is that game book. And, and you thought awesome. enough of me to keep it. No. Well, sorry, I, I, I knew I was going to, I knew we would cross paths again at some point in time and didn't know when. And, you know, they had all that, they printed off the, the game books at the end. And, and so I grabbed it and I told Julie, I said, I don't know when we'll ever see each other. And it, it was several years. I held on to it for several years. And then, uh, and then when we crossed paths again, I think, I don't know if you have that. You may have this. I don't know. But here's the, you know, the lineup and who was active and inactive and all the stats. And, you know, and then it's, of course, lists all the plays. It's got all the plays and all the series and everything else. And so, and sure enough, the last play is his play. You know, I was like, you know what? I'm going to hang on to this. So I'm, no, I'm, I'm glad it means a lot to you. And uh, that's something you should have. And it, it was a very cool moment. Now, to wrap up this, this, part of the story part of my nfl network gig was after doing all the locker room interviews scott hansen was with me that weekend we were supposed to go out on the field and do a, a one-hour wrap-up show for nfl network that they would air later we made it about 40 minutes and Ooh. the producers and the people back in in la were like you got we can't understand your words and we're like that's because our mouth is like we can't like enunciate <laughs> words we could we couldn't speak anymore. It, it got to the point where we couldn't even speak. And, and so we, we wrapped it up quickly. That's how cold it was. Well, Lawrence was a, the cool guy with the Giants back of the bus drinking beers with Eli Manning. Was he cool in Kansas City or was, was he a loser? No. Oh, oh well, you got to understand. I'm kidding. Gotta understand. I was quiet. Initially, you know, LT was, he was just trying to make the league. You know, you got to understand, mm -hmm. you know. So our first interaction He's just trying to make it, trying to make you it. know. Yeah, and then and then he, and then he went away for a little bit, and then he came back a couple. Of, what was it? Two years later, and then yeah, uh, and then I beat beat out my favorite kicker, Morton Anderson. Bloody <laughs> <laughs> Morton! So, you know, my initial I was like, yeah, I did. I didn't really, you know, I didn't really get to know because he was quiet. He was just trying to make the team, and then and then he came back the second go around, and you know, and that's when he got that LT swag. You know, he, he started started coming with a with a little bit of bounce yeah. to him. So I love it. Hey, my favorite, my favorite Vermeil line, Trent, and is he goes, I, I make the team and he comes down in the locker room. He goes, I just cut a holler framer for you. Don't 
fuck it up. <laughs> it's the greatest line. I was like, okay, welcome to the NFL. Uh, hey, that's a great confidence builder. <laughs> yeah, I was like, thanks, coach. But you know what, though, Trent? You know how Dick is. He like he called me before every Super Bowl, personally, on my phone, the night before the game. Last one, we'll let you go, because I, I got to know. You work with two of the GOATs. I mean, when I think of the best in the business, I, I think, uh, you know, you worked with Ian Eagle, now Kevin Harlan. And now you and Kevin, I'm sure, are finishing each other's sentences like Mad Libs or something. What is that like? I mean, that must make your job so much easier when you work with guys who are just that good. Well, I'm going to brag and add a third goat to it. So I worked with Ian for four years doing uh, Westwood One games. And then I worked with Greg Gumbel my first six years at CBS. And, and Greg's awesome. You know, has done everything uh, in terms of sports world and, and was just uh, incredible to, to, to broadcast with. But, yeah, this is my second year with Kevin. And yeah, I can't say enough good stuff about it. I've known Kevin for a long time because he, you know, he lives in Kansas City, raised his kids in Kansas City. And uh, and so I got to know him quite a bit and actually was one of the people when I decided to retire and, and pursue a career in, in broadcasting, I called him and I said, you know, I don't know how this Kansas City thing works because our airport's not very big. Now we're, we're in the process of building a new one. But I said, we don't have a lot of directs anywhere and we're a lot of regional flights and that kind of thing. I said, how does it work for you? He's always on the go doing stuff. And he said, you know what? It's great because we're right in the middle and our and our travel is never as bad as we don't ever have those five, six hour flights. And instead, we're everything's, you know, two, two and a half or less. And, and I said, well, that does. It makes a lot of sense. And my wife and I are both from the Midwest. So it made a lot of sense for us to stay in Kansas City. But Kevin's been a great resource for me, not only in that conversation, but in terms of, you know, how to just be a pro, how to prepare, how to handle yourself, you know, and, and we had a very delicate game yesterday and he handled it so professionally. And we had so many discussions going into that game because number one, we're having to discuss and handle uh, Henry Ruggs and what had happened, you know, with that, with that tragic accident earlier last week. And, and, so, but he handled it so professionally and, and our discussions that we had with our bosses at CBS and our producers for the game and our director and, and just the way we did the whole thing. And then, of course, the Giants were dealing with their own separate set of issues, much different in terms of, you know, the week of, of COVID and false positives and, and what they had to do with. So just uh, working with Kevin and, you know, the energy he brings on a daily basis, but when it's time to get serious and, and handle a situation like we had to yesterday, you know, he really is a, a pro's pro and, uh, it's just a real pleasure to work with him. And the best at, at calling a black cat running on the field, too. It, does, it doesn't get any better than <laughs> Kevin Harlan's call of the black cat. You can catch Trent Green every week on NFL and CBS. You can follow him on Twitter at Trent Green 10. Catch him Monday Night Football. He's got two games in two days. He's doing it all. Steelers, Bears, catch that with Westwood One Radio. Trent, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on Blue Rush, and we'll have to talk again soon. Appreciate it. Definitely. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, good talking with you guys. I'm sure we'll do it again soon. Oh, that's a man's jam. And that says cheerio to episode 85, the Stephen Baker and David Tyree edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown, Sarah McCrory, and Andrew Hartz for producing the show. Give Blue Rush a wee five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. For Polly Schwartz, I'm Lawrence Tynes. We'll return next Thursday following the Giants bye week to preview Giants, Bucks, and Tampa. Enjoy the week, folks, and thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. I mean, we got to buy, but we'll see you soon.